0: Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in La Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com now enjoy this week's episode so I'm really eager to, to bring God's word to you this morning uh, like I said uh, uh, up at the top we're kind of in this um, we've got like a foot in both camps of the series that is uh, is coming to an end Jesus the early years and uh, and, and next week, we're going to hit really hard for the next few weeks, uh, really through the month of March, this topic of God's mission, God's mission. But what we're going to talk about today, I, I think is, is, it's one of the most foundational passages of scripture Uh, certainly in the Gospels, of of Jesus laying out, like, what has he come to do? Have you ever read the book of Mark before? Or have you ever heard of the book of Mark, one of the four Gospels? It's the shortest one. Um, If you've never read it before, and actually I'll say this, if you've never read it, like, in one sitting before, I hadn't really, I, honestly, I hadn't done that until um, being as a seminary student. It was given to me as an assignment to so go home and read the whole thing in one shot. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of reading. No, no, it was great. It was great. And maybe for, I mean, if you enjoy reading, you're going to love it. Uh, for me, I was like, is there a movie on this? Um, <laughs> but no, it was great. It was, I, the book of Mark, it's, um, it is like action-packed the way that Mark writes his gospel, it is like from one thing to the next to the next, and then Jesus did this, and then he did that. And I mean like the story like really moves. But at the very beginning, we see this thesis statement from from Jesus, this 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 preamble to his entire ministry, what is gonna set Jesus apart. It's not only what set Jesus apart, but it's what sets us apart as followers of Christ. So really, without further ado, I just want to get into this text with you. So if we can put this up on the screen, if you've got your Bibles with you, Mark chapter 1, and we're really going to look at at two verses, but really we're going to look at, at one verse this morning. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14, it says this. Now, after John was arrested, talking about John the Baptist here, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's actually such a short passage that I'd like to read it to you again one more time just to get these words like really sinking into our brains this morning. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel. Gospel is another word for good news. Proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the good news. These, these two words here, repent and believe, is, is really where I want us to kind of camp out this morning. The first one, this word repent. Repent. Repentance is a word that we use a lot in, in Christianity. All of the Old Testament prophets said to repent. John the Baptist, his, his ministry, as, he, as he's standing down by the River Jordan, his ministry calling to people to repent. <clears throat> Jesus here and in other places in the gospel says to repent. The apostles said to repent. Repentance is a big deal. But understandably, we feel the pressure to get repentance right, right? Repentance is such a, such a big deal, we want to get it right. But so often, we get it so wrong. Now, I don't know if you know this, if this is your first Sunday at church or your thousandth Sunday at church, probably the longer that you've been here, the more you realize that church is made up of sinners. I think the world says Oh, the church is, that's where all the good people go. I don't know. I've been around some of you for a while. Like, just saying. (laughs) If you've been around me for any time, you're like, yeah, that dude. We don't have to look far to find a Christian who has blown it in every possible way. Right? We don't, we actually don't have to look so far, we can just look in the mirror. When you woke up this morning and you went to go comb your hair or brush your teeth, you were looking dead-eye with a sinner. The Bible tells us plainly: no one does good, not even one. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, what do we do? We repent. But if repentance is, is such a big deal, how do we know when someone has done it right? When someone is truly repentant? You know, what signs do they show? What, what language do they use? And who decides? You see, we, maybe you've seen this in, in, in your own relationships with maybe a spouse or a child or, or a friend, when, when someone has, has done something wrong, I see this with my kids all the time, um, but maybe you've been on the receiving end of this, right? Is when you tell your, if you got two kids, like for me, this happens all the time with my two boys, Teddy and Tommy, okay? One does something wrong. Uh, the other day we were getting ready for school having a great morning, had just finished her donuts, and all of a sudden, Tom just winds up and punches Ted in the chest. Where did that come from? <laughs> and as a parent, I said, Tom, say sorry to your brother. And you can tell, right? We've been there. He's like, oh, sorry. It's like, well, are you Sorry. You've probably been in this in a fight before when someone is coming to apologize to you. And they're like, I'm sorry. Well, you're not sorry enough. When we start judging people's sorry. We start judging people's repentance. How do we know if we've done it right? We tend to put a person's repentance under the microscope to determine if it's genuine or not. Are they really sorry have, have they wept enough have they felt ashamed enough did they use the word sin enough so on it all goes under the microscope and this microscope is usually found what i call this this hypocritical laboratory of public opinion right in the lab of public opinion, that's where all manners of religious mad science take place. That's where we, make, we take the Bible and kind of twist it to the way that we want it to be, and we start applying the things that we like and start judging others. You see, in the beginning of this, of this Gospel of Mark, right at the top, right at, in chapter 1, it begins with a voice crying out in the wilderness. John the Baptist is at the edge of the wilderness on the shore of the River Jordan, and he is preaching up a storm. He's attracted a crowd and a bit of a following, and he proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I think most of the words in that phrase are easily understood. Baptism is about being washed clean. Forgiveness is the erasing of debt. Sins refers to our captive wills, inability to do right or to be perfect. But then there's this word, repentance. Uh, It comes from the Greek word metanoia, which can also be be literally translated as turn around, turn around, turn around. I I have to confess to you that in, in my preparation for this message this week, studying the word, I kept thinking about a song. You know how like a song can just get like stuck in your head? And it just like plays like over and over, like you're you're driving and like, man, why am I singing that song? Well, it happens to me all the time. And honestly, it's probably going to happen to you right now because I want to share that gift with you. You know, if I'm going to have a song stuck in my head, we might as well all have a song stuck in our head. Um, So we're going to play this song for a minute. Go ahead and play it from 1983. Listen to the words that she sings here. Oh, it's the intro bill. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely and you're never coming around. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit tired. I asked Brittany if we should have lighter. So Turn around. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Every now around Every now and then I get a little bit terrified and then I see the look <laughs> in your eyes <laughs> wow. Right oh, well I How am I supposed get to the morrow? Right I Every now and then I, and then oh, I, I get a little bit great All I right, we'll let it. We'll white. let it go down. This is like the extended version. This is Every great. I think I saw this song with seven minutes. We're not going to do seven minutes. It's seven minutes long. Wow. You know that? Yeah, it's heard, right? So, there, hey, that's my gift to you this morning as you're driving. Trying to figure out. Yeah, you can listen to a little Bonnie Tyler. Right? But, okay, in that song, I got a point of this, okay? In that song, in Total Eclipse, when that, right, it's a song. It's, it's Bonnie Tyler, and she's singing to the backup singer. His name is Rory Dodd. And in this line that Rory Dodd kept singing there, did you hear it? Where he goes, turn around, bright eyes. Right? She's like trying to, she's coming up all these reasons of why it's not working out and why her life's falling apart. And she hears this voice calling out to her, turn around. Turn around, bright eyes. It's putting before her a new possibility of turning to him as a solution to love in the dark in much the same way. I know, you guys are like, boy, this is a stretch thing. In much the same way. John the Baptist was doing the exact same thing. Right? He's got, his, he's got his back to the Jordan River. He's calling out to the people, turn around. Turn around. You see, repentance demands that we, that we muster up our will and decide to make a clean go of things, but when we try to do it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. We can't turn around. On our own, we can't turn around. But it's this voice that calls out to us. It's the same voice that calls out to us to turn around. It's the same one that says, follow me. Take up your cross. You see, Jesus presents this love to us, this affection for us. He, he, he deeply cares about you, and it's that person of Jesus. He's the one who's calling out to you, turn around. And it's that love, that love that is outrageous and irresistible. He calls us to repent. Jesus', Jesus call is, is much like the lyrics in that song, Totally Eclipse the Heart. I I like this line in the song. It says, now I'm only falling apart. There's nothing I can do. Totally clips of the heart. You see, to repent is to turn and say to Jesus, sorry, I got nothing. If anything's going to change, you're going to have to make it happen. I don't have it. In me. To, to repent is to hear the voice calling out to you, now is the time. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I think um, when we think about repentance, this this turning around from sin, this turning around from, from a life without Christ. What ends up happening in our minds is, is this, is that as, as we are, as we're walking away from Christ, if our life is walking away from Christ and we've done all of these, these things to break that relationship, we take another step away from Christ. So we take another step away from Christ. He's still calling us to repent and we take another step away from Christ and another step away from Christ. I think this is what happens to us when we hear these words repent is that we hear this language to turn around, but there's all this distance that I think we think that we have to make up, right? We think about this with forgiveness all the time that God has forgiven you, but like prove it, like make it worth his investment in you. But that's not how the gospel presents it at all, is that when he calls us to repent, wherever you are, he has been with you the whole time. And this act of repent brings us back to the cross, wherever we are. Repent and believe in the gospel. I think we, we read this as, as do this as in repent and then, and then like also do this other thing in believe, like, like it's two separate actions that unlocks the key to being forgiven. I actually, I honestly think that when we hear repent, that, that we believe that we're not forgiven until we repent. You know what I mean? Like let, let me explain it this way. If you and I are in conflict together and you're wrong and I'm right and you've come to ask for forgiveness, it doesn't matter how hard you ask, how 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 over the top you plead. How you change your life, you're not forgiven until I extend it to you. Right? Does that make sense? Some of you have been in conflicts that you're probably still in today because forgiveness hasn't been extended. Right? I know I've experienced that in my life. Is that 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 withholding of forgiveness for whatever reason, if it's if it's anger or it's hurt, or it's sadness that we as humans, we're not so readily to extend forgiveness to each other. But, but this call that Jesus extends to us is far different than that. You know what I mean? Like God's not, God's not waiting to forgive you. He's just waiting for you to get it. That he has already forgiven you. Like God already loves you. Like God forgave you a long time ago. He has forgiven you. He loves you now. And so when He calls out, repent and believe in the gospel. There's no action in there other than just trusting that God has forgiven you. Like that's the that's the good news. You're forgiven. Like right now, you're forgiven you trust that that's the difference repent and believe that god has paid for your sins god has done that it's outrageous and it's true that he has already forgiven you right now you are forgiven so repent and believe in the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ's grace for you and for me. Grace doesn't respond to repentance by asking, well, why couldn't you be a better person? Or grace doesn't respond to repentance this way, which again, not to keep drawing to, to parenting, but um, <laughs> I have like a forgiveness lab in my house with living with <laughs> kids. Um, Get to see this play out in, in, in real time. Have you, did, uh, for parents in the room, or, or when you were a kid, maybe your parents said this Have you ever heard this? You're forgiven. Don't do it again. <laughs> right? Grace says you're forgiven. God's not shocked by you being a sinner. There's nothing that you've done. That is like made God blush. And He still loves you. Like God knows who you are. And He loves you. He calls you to be into relationship with Him, to, to believe in the gospel and the good news that He died for you to save you from yourself. Grace never says, I told you so. Grace doesn't listen to a word. Of your well thought out plan for redemption. Maybe you're that kind of a person, right? Is like I'm you made this mess, you better clean it up. Grace doesn't, Grace doesn't listen to your plan for redemption. Grace just loves, God just loves you. Grace gives each sinner every reason to believe the good news that he is forgiven. And like Jesus on the cross, when he said, it is finished. Grace interrupts you with words of mercy so outrageous that it makes your heart stop. So what is repentance? Repentance is nothing to be investigated, it's nothing to be dissected, but repentance is actually a gift to be celebrated. Repentance is Jesus calling out to you, trust in me. Whatever you're doing, that's that's not trust in me. Trust in me. Know that you are loved by God. And it's through all of this that we see Jesus' proclamation that the kingdom of God is at hand. The last word I want to kind of highlight for you as we kind of worked our way back through this verse of repent and believe is this phrase, the time is fulfilled. New Testament was written in Greek. Greek's got, Greek's not English. And so sometimes they have multiple words for what we use as the same word. In Greek, there's two words for the word time. There's the word chronos, right? We get our word Chronological, you know that like time never stops, keeps going. That's Chronos. You ever been? And, and then there's this word, Kairos. This is the word uh, in Mark 1:15 here. This word time is this word, Kairos. You ever had moments in your life where you felt like time stood still, where like time was different? You ever, like, that moment when you, like, the person that you love, when you figured out, like, that you love that person, and when you spend time with them, it's like time goes, like, super fast and, like, slow all at the exact same time, right? That, that moment at a wedding, when, when the groom is up here, and the bride is coming down the aisle, like I've been there. I, I watched my, my bride Brittany come down the aisle, and it felt like that walk was like like forever. When time feels a little different, that's Kairos. It's, it's when God, God breaks into our lives, and there's something different about this moment. Jesus here is saying, the, the the kairos is fulfilled. This moment is different. The kingdom of God is at hand. Something changed when Jesus came at this moment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Another way to, to use that phrase, kairos, is, is now is the time. The time is now, right? It's go time, it's game day. Like, let's go. The kairos, the moment, is now. And what I want to say to you today is this. Now is the time. Repent and believe in the gospel. Like, the the time is now to hear the good news that you are loved and all of these things that we're trying to find our life in it ain't working. Now is the time to trust in God and his love. I said this is a, this is a we have a foot in both camps. Jesus, the early years, and, and God's mission. Because this is how Jesus starts his, his ministry. He comes out of the wilderness for 40 days in, in, in verses uh, uh, 10 through 13 here in Mark, and the very first thing he comes out and says, like, the time is now. Repent and believe in the good news. Why are we planting the new prayer campus? Because the time is now. Repent and believe in the good news. Why are we here this morning? Because now is the time. Repent and believe in the good news that Jesus loves you completely that he has forgiven your sins, that he died on a cross so that you didn't have to pay for the penalty of your sins. He's given you a new life, a life abundant. Now is the time. Repent and believe in the good news. He uses this phrase of the kingdom of God And this is where I want to end this morning. The kingdom of God is for sinners and penitents and for them only. For people who have failed so badly that they have no bargaining chips left and refuse to fake it. The kingdom of God is for those that bring their need to God, that he he gives them Jesus. He gives you Jesus this morning. He creates with unlikely people something new in this world that will last forever, his kingdom. Contrary to popular thought, the kingdom of God is not populated by the strong, the sinless, or the consistently victorious. The kingdom of God is populated by those who know that they are poor and weak and have nowhere to hide. It is populated by those who have put down their weapons of self-justification and just rest in Christ's promised love alone. Do you know that the Lord is not expecting you to figure things out before you repent, before you turn around? Because he's already got it for you through his son, Jesus. He wants you to repent of your sin, yes. But, but if you trust in Jesus, he's not disappointed in you. He knows what a mess you are. And he still loves you. So my friends, repent and believe the gospel this morning. Repent and believe the good news that you are forgiven. Let's take it out for all the world to hear. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you this morning. We we thank you that we don't even fully comprehend how much you love us. Like, we know that you love us a lot, God, and that that's just scratching the surface. God, would you... Would you keep calling out to our hearts to repent, to turn from our selfish ways, and to trust in your forgiveness, to trust in your love for us, to trust in your grace? God, would you equip us to speak those words of gospel and good news and grace and forgiveness and love? and repentance and belief to those who need to hear it. God, thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for dying on the cross, for rising again. Thank you for loving us. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.